0: Welcome to the Profitable Farmer podcast, where we share stories and tips to help you run a better farming business and create your very own freedom farm. If you're looking to work smarter and not harder in your farm business, welcome, you're in the right place. G'day ladies and gents. I'm going out on a limb here. I have wrangled my wife, Jane Hutchings, finally. I've been wanting to have this podcast for some time. Um, Janie, great to have you, part of Profitable Farmer. Hello.
1: Well, thank you, Jan.
0: So there's a method to my madness here. Um, Jane's been a physiotherapist for 25 years or thereabouts. Um, Obviously been a mum more recently to our four children and obviously incredible in all of that, but has returned to her profession in a niche that I think is really relevant and really important to so many of us. Um, We're talking about this today, but we um, can survive without food for three weeks. We can survive without water for three days. We can survive without breathing for three minutes. And we actually breathe 20,000 times a day. I often reflect that um, when we became parents we weren't given a manual on how to parent so we're winging it in the same way with our body and our health um we weren't given a manual so a lot of us are focusing on the food we eat the exercise we do the water we drink and all those things um but often our breathing gets neglect- neglected and Jane has arrived into a niche in the physio space that looks at the science of breathing and genuinely helps individuals navigate a whole host of condition, conditions that when we look at them are linked to our breathing. So, Janie, great to have you on Profitable Farmer and keen um, to explore this whole concept of breathing. Thank you. So, well, how did you come to this niche within the physio space?
1: Well, I was busy being a traditional physio and mum, obviously, and uh Helping with all of our things. And uh, I actually got myself into a situation where I was suffering really quite badly with hay fever. As a child, I had suffered with hay fever, but it must six or seven years ago, it became so extreme in springtime. I couldn't exercise outside. I couldn't hang our sheets on the line. The, my response to the pollens in the air was, was just really full on. So I was taking pages and pages of antihistamines and still really struggling. So I was looking for an alternative solution. I don't like taking a lot of medication, so I was really looking for a way to manage my hay fever without the the drugs. And I came across a breathing retraining course, which um, sounded like it would solve some of my problems, and I went off and did that course to sort out my hay fever, and I've really never taken another hay fever tablet again. It was very, very successful for me and as I did that course and actually learnt and understood so much about the power of breathing, I really became very interested in um, in sort of learning further and studying further and so I went on and did that and I think the real um, turning point for me was understanding how significant your breathing is on your childhood development. Um, and with four of our own children, it was very obvious to me that some of our children were not breathing well, and that was having really significant implications for their well-being and their general health. And so that was where I sort of put my attention. Hmm.
0: So, just for our listeners, what are some of the conditions that can be improved significantly once we get control and master breathing properly?
1: Well, there's, there's um, I suppose, five or six really key uh, issues that I, I work to resolve with people. Um, sleep disorders are a very big one of those. So that covers snoring, sleep apnea, insomnia and restless sleeping. So that's a, a pretty big, uh, broad category um anxiety and panic disorders are my next sort of biggest subset and that's um that does encompass a little bit of depression as well but anxiety and panic primarily uh we then sort of go on to asthma and hay fever um and then sort of work our way down into um, some of the more specific things with exercise issues and Cramping and and poor recovery and poor exercise performance. Um, stitches are very relevant to to actually your diaphragm breathing control. So, that's the the ones that I work with most. Yeah.
0: So a lot of us know that meditation is a valuable practice for mental well being and mindfulness. Um, how's this different, or how's this an extension of that? I think what I understand of this is that. A lot of us mouth breathe mm-hmm. um, and that we're supposed to breathe differently from that. Do you mind just speaking to that point?
1: No. So I think it's really important to sort of clarify early that the major issue with the way that Western society breathes is that we overbreathe. So we breathe far too much air and most actually most people will be breathing two to three times the amount of air that your body actually needs. And so your body has to busily process all that air for for no value at all. Um, and so uh, when you look at um, the profile of someone breathing, mouth breathing is a really big part of that because it's very obvious, the mouth is a very big hole and <laughs> it allows far more air to be consumed. So When you look at um, the way that people breathe when they're meditating, when you consume a lot of air and breathe a lot of air, the science behind it is that you let go of all your carbon dioxide, which uh, actually has a really important role in the body. And it's one of its biggest roles is to calm your nervous system. So when you're deep breathing and getting rid of all of that air repeatedly, you're getting rid of the very important gas that that, winds down your nervous system. And so we find the very people that are prescribed mindfulness and meditation are the people who can tolerate it at the very least in that sort of overbreathing format.
0: So carbon dioxide is actually an important asset in all of this?
1: Absolutely. Somewhere along the line, carbon dioxide has been completely misbranded as a as a waste gas and something that we need to get rid of. It's actually as important as oxygen. And and when you look at the science, you can understand that without carbon dioxide in our bloodstream, the oxygen is there, but it actually can't be released from the red blood cells. And so it just is wasted. The more carbon dioxide you retain in your your bloodstream, then the more oxygen you can make available to your cells. So to your brain, particularly. Three minutes of over leads to a 60% decrease in the blood supply and oxygenation of your brain.
0: So what's that mean?
1: So that means if you sit at your desk breathing heavily through your mouth while you're reading your email, then quietly your brain is just reducing its oxygen level to the point where you have a low-level brain fog that, that just sits there all day while you easily over-breathe. So breathing in a way that... Resolve that will actually give you a flood of oxygen to your brain, clarity, focus.
0: What's your assessment on how many people breathe poorly out of 100?
1: Uh, Well, I just was at a course a couple of weeks ago and we talked a lot about this. There's no question that between 25 and 40% of the population overbreathe. When you look into some really discrete sort of subgroups, when we look at anxiety and panic disorders, there's a host of scientific research that, that shows that 80% of anxiety and panic disorder sufferers overbreathe, And no cognitive sort of therapies actually address your breathing. Um, it's hard to understand whether the breathing leads to the anxiety or the anxiety leads to the breathing. But we know that without resolving that nervous system wind-up, we very
0: unsuccessfully manage anxiety and panic. Yeah. So our for our farmers out there, um, struggle sleeping, hay fever, asthma, worry, anxiety, and then snoring, <laughs> restless legs, you know, broken sleep, all those things, a lot of us are even going to medication and to physical um, equipment that can help us navigate some of those things. You're suggesting that none of those things perhaps are necessarily needed and a lot of those things can be resolved just by learning how to breathe properly. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Yeah, and if you're interested in, um, you know, ownership and really taking control of your nervous system, which ultimately has such a big impact on the inflammatory sort of layers of your body and your uh, exposure and your likelihood of developing inflammatory conditions, you know, all sorts of musculoskeletal conditions, all sorts of autoimmune disorders can be brought back to to your inflammatory sort of components. And so uh, your breathing and and the health of your nervous system is really fundamentally very, very linked. And, um, you know, this is a really powerful way to actually have that, Uh, nervous system in as good condition as humanly possible, yeah.
0: So a lot of us are scientists, being farmers. Can you give us a bit more context? Can you give us a bit more about what happens when we've got too much oxygen in the system or not enough carbon in our blood. And and the way they've explained it to me, it's quite interesting. Do you mind just giving our listeners a bit more understanding of the the basic science behind this?
1: It's really, even as a, I mean, this is slightly embarrassing to me, but even as a physio, when I first began studying in this field, I sort of thought, this is so wrong. That's not true. You know, carbon dioxide's a waste. We don't need it. And... I, yeah, it's really interesting to sort of understand how it it got such a bad label. But um, you know, in a nutshell, the air that we breathe is loaded with oxygen. We will never sort of you know, unless you have a, a serious cardiac condition. For the most part, people have access to more than enough oxygen. Um, that oxygen gets breathed into our lungs and it passes into our bloodstream, where to be carried around the blood, it I liken it to it hops into a car that's driven by hemoglobin. That's a part of your red blood cell. And that that hemoglobin then transports the oxygen around to wherever you need. So if you're exercising, it will be to your quads and your hamstrings. If you're um, at your desk, it will be to your brain. It it just depends on on what you're doing. But um, the simple fact is that haemoglobin can't release the oxygen unless carbon dioxide is available. And so when you breathe well, you have a really high level of carbon dioxide in your bloodstream and so that, that oxygen can always be made available to where it needs to go. But if you're over-breathing and getting rid of all your carbon dioxide, then the oxygen gets just gets simply breathed out again. The haemoglobin cannot let it go. The carbon dioxide essentially is the key to get the oxygen out of it.
0: Hmm. So is it as simple as nose breathing or you talk about volume of oxygen Hmm. that we're taking in? Um, Can you just give us a sense of what the ideal outcome is for someone?
1: Yeah, so nose breathing is a really big part of it, but you can be a nose breather and a really poor breather still. Yeah, so nose breathing is a really big piece. Using your diaphragm effectively is a really big part of it. So a lot of us breathe with our upper chest muscles, And uh, with some of your neck muscles, that's a very inefficient way to breathe and it makes you breathe a higher volume. Yeah. So what we look for when we talk about ideal breathing is um, a very gentle, very regular breathing pattern. Um, It's quite slow and it's not very deep. It's just very consistent, very even, a slow breath in, a slow breath out, a little pause at the end of your exhale is ideal. And when you're talking numbers, we're talking about 10 breaths a minute. But most people, if they sat and timed, their breathing would be well up above 15 breaths a minute. Yeah. Um, but things like yawning, sighing, um, <clears throat> that, that, that regular throat clearing um, is, they're all very big signs that your breathing's quite dysfunctional the the email apnea the breath holding that happens at your computer when you find yourself suddenly breathing out when you focus and concentrating that's another sort of red flag sign that your breathing is is dysfunctional
0: what happens to the quality of our breath when we're under stress or under pressure or working huge hours or um you know even night shifts, tractors, headers, oh, those Oh, wow. So yeah, I mean, do you mind on. me, look, what, what actually happens when we're under the pump and we're breathing poorly in the wrong way mm-hmm. um, with some of those sorts of conditions?
1: So really what happens when you look at it is once you start to over-breathe, you lose um, your vagal nerve stimulation, which is what really relaxes the body and what brings you, you know, when your nervous system has a choice to be in um sort of rest and and regenerate state or fight and flight. And we really, you know, we were designed to be in fight and flight stage for, I don't know, such a small portion of our day really when there was actually a lion chasing us. But we end up now in that state perpetually. And so then your breathing becomes very irregular. It becomes very fast. It becomes quite shallow up here but the volume of air that your body is consuming in the course of a minute is as I said triple what you actually need and that then lets go of all your carbon dioxide which then overstimulates that nervous system even more and so it's just a very very vicious cycle. What happens really very quickly after that is that your sleep quality completely uh, plummets and so when you have really high sort of nice high levels of CO2, carbon dioxide, in your bloodstream, then you really cycle through your four phases of sleep very nicely. And that last phase of sleep, the fourth phase, is where you get all your regeneration and your healing and and that sort of thing. When you have uh, really low carbon dioxide, you never get there. And so you never get into that, that restorative sleep pattern. And so then you wake up in the morning feeling... Just as bad as you did when you went to bed, even though you've been horizontal for six hours. Um, and it just becomes a very self-fulfilling sort of cycle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if you're stressed not sleeping, then you mentioned brain fog as well, oh, earlier. Yeah. How, how can this then lend to you know, even poor decision making or oh, it's indecision. terrible decision
1: making? It's dangerous. It's really dangerous when you look at the Quality of sleep that some people get, and then they hop in the car and drive their family off to Wagga for the day or whatever. Um, but yeah, making good, uh, clear business decisions, relationship decisions, financial decisions all stems back to to the state of your uh nervous system and your brain's
0: capacity to think clearly. Yeah, your mental well-being. Yeah. So I've um made progress on two thirds of the way through Jane's course and I've got to say the quality of my sleep um the level of calm that I feel um yeah the um clear mind and I think you say that I you now don't snore as much um, um, no but that was sort of looming as a challenge for me in my huge. late 40s yeah. um are significantly different. And I'm now starting to run and exercise nose breathing and my stamina exercising has gone through the roof. So it's quite amazing to think that we don't learn how to breathe, but when we do and we breathe in the way that you're suggesting that science would have us breathe, just the multitude of things that can improve in our sort of life and in our what being. What um, what results of you saying some of your clients get would you mind speaking to some before and afters perhaps of just yeah. a few um
1: look oh gosh that's how you should have told me you're gonna, you gonna ask that um you know I mean I look at my dad who was my first guinea pig and he's you know obviously a, a big supporter of mine generally but he's also a very open-minded student and he had slept terribly for as long as I can remember, really. And, um, you know, he now has amazing sleep quality. And, um, you know, the sleep's the thing that I I am very passionate about from from children who are like two right through to people like my dad who are in their 80s. But, um, you know, there's no age this is not appropriate for. So um, I look at some of the physio, the new grad physios I worked with when I was still working in Wagga, and I was... Absolutely horrified at the the lack of sleep and the quality of life they lived. Just as you know, newly graduated, newly graduated um, people with great jobs living in a regional centre, um, and the turnaround of someone sleeping two to three hours a night through to seven hours is huge. Um, I've had really lots of success with people really. Um, having far better uh, control of their asthma and coming off all their asthma medication. Lots of hay fever people like me never, never taking hay fever medication again. Um, energy levels and, um, yeah, just ability to perform under stress um,
0: is is very different, yeah. So for husbands and wives on the farm, um, the stress, the pressure... And then the natural um, pollen and other things. I think asthma and hay fever are real issues for us. Absolutely. But, but also, you know, the anxiety, the worry, the stress, the pressure that comes with being farming families. Um, what would you say to husbands and wives in those environments about how they could, could make a positive step in the right direction?
1: Oh, well, you know, it's all about your appetite for for taking taking control of it yourself, really. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to fix. As you know, it doesn't take very long. Every, you know, it is a consistent thing, but when I work with people, it's 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 really, you know, a program that we work on your breathing. It's not something you need to work on for the rest of your life. Once you reset your breathing and retrain yourself to breathe um, in the way we were designed to then that's something that your body actually runs with and adopts as your new found breathing pattern. So um, it's not a uh, boring forever physio uh, (laughs) saga of exercises, which which we're often very pinned to, but um, it does take a little bit of effort, definitely. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's very achievable very easily. I have my clients doing their uh, a lot of my clients do their their breathing work in the car regionally you know people spend a lot of time in the car and even the kids I work with it's a really good spot where you're stuck there you can't get away um school bus is another great time nobody can see that you're doing it you just can quietly do your breathing work while you're while you're sitting there yeah and so that's a really good starting point people in headers youths vehicles that all can be done while you're doing your your daily stuff
0: So, three years ago, you put a course together helping people navigate this. Would you mind just explaining how that looks and how people can, and what is the process that they move through with you if they want to move from, you know, hay fever or anxiety or um, snoring or whatever it is through to a point where they're free from those things? Would you mind just giving people an overview?
1: No. So, my uh, course um, sort of is something that I designed after I'd done my training and worked with some of my inner circle, I suppose, and really sort of established how it was best rolled out. Um, And um, although I tailor the program for each individual, the the key parts of it are are the same for everyone really. So my adult program, which is the one that um, is probably most relevant for your listeners, is is something that I usually say is about a 12 to 14-week program. Um, And we start with some really um, comprehensive questionnaires that give me a lot of information about um, the, um, the client's medical background and their current status. So the questionnaires cover a lot of unusual questions that people sort of think this is so unrelated to my breathing. But as we work through the course, it's fascinating to see that you no longer need to get up to go to the loo at night um you don't have a glass of water by your bed anymore you don't get a stitch when you're exercising there's you know you don't have um cold hands and feet anymore through winter so because so many of your physiological systems actually are aligned with your breathing the the um the symptoms that that I capture are quite broad um but it's all very um very much about the numbers for me having a health science background I am uh sort of Really focused on making sure we have a starting point, and then we keep revisiting that starting point, and we can see where your journey unfolds. But after we've captured all that information, we have a face-to-face um, over Zoom. I work with most of my clients over Zoom, um, and then my course is pre-recorded in seven modules um, that that just work step by step to resolve your breathing and and get it towards the um, ideal. Um, there's lots of education in there because I think it's really important that people understand the science of breathing and how it all ties together so that it gives some context to why you're doing what I'm asking you to do. But um the modules each are sort of about 40 minutes and then there's a really clear sort of program that you need to work on, and we have I have lots of uh text and phone contacts, Zoom contacts through the course. Um To make sure that it's tailored and it's going where where it needs to go for each person yeah
0: thanks jane we'll um share details of how you can access jane's course and um learn more in the written text that wraps around this podcast um high performance athletes are now diving into this and realizing the impact it can have on their um performance on the sporting field um, from marathon runners to rugby players to tennis players to yeah. our elite swimmers, and the list goes on. Um, we've got quite a few athletes in our community who you know, do focus intently on their fitness. What impact can this have for them?
1: Oh, it's huge, actually, really significant. Um, huge impact on, um, on an athlete's endurance as well as on their um, sort of high-intensity performance. But... Um the endurance and recovery is probably the biggest space that's that's currently being um very scientifically sort of researched and to understand a little bit more. But um the you know you our pinups of uh good breathing are people like Roger Federer, um there's a few great runners, Igor SpyTech, the um, tennis player is a very big um sort of public advocate. And it's it's essentially um the thing that will will give you the edge under 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 really extreme stress from an athletic performance so it's about being very efficient with your oxygenation and your um and the then the removal of all your lactic acid products but um, there's great scientific research to, to give some real numbers around the reduction in that lactate uh, production and the speed with which it gets removed from your, um, from your muscular system.
0: So if I'm just a middle-aged farmer, um, how do I know um, that I'm a bad breather?
1: Well, uh, so we've talked about a few things, but I you can put it sort of into the top so there's five ways you can really um tell that your your breathing is not what we would call ideal and so when you look at those five things I usually describe them as uh when your breathing's fast so we've sort of talked about 10 breaths a minute being ideal uh when you breathe through your mouth never normal children should never breathe through their mouth um when you can hear your breathing um that's a problem. Our breathing should be really quite silent. And we all know what it's like to sit next to someone at the movies or on the couch and Again, children sometimes get sort of skewed that you can hear them. It's not cute and <laughs> it needs to be sorted out. Um, if you can see someone breathing, then their breathing is dysfunctional. And that's when you can look at someone and see their chest sort of uh, moving, their neck muscles contributing. Uh, And then the number five is irregular breathing. So that's all those things, sighs, yawns, uh, coughing, sneezing, throat clearing, that sort of stuff. So on the other sort of end is our ideal breathing, which I would describe as slow, through the nose, silent, low, so down in your diaphragm I shouldn't be able to see, uh, and very gentle. So it's very even, it's very rhythmical. When... Um, I'm working well, actually, with everyone, but particularly with kids. It's really helpful for them to visualise an ideal. A great breather is a cheetah, and so you sort of can have that visual in your mind. And a really poor breather is a Labrador, uh, and so that that's really helps you to sort of see the two extremes. We want to be like the
0: cheetah. There's some other celebrity examples of people. You mentioned Roger Federer. And I think Hugh Jackman has studied this as well. What are some examples of some really good um, breathers that we know and love versus some celebrities that perhaps don't do this well and and their results might speak for themselves?
1: So another great um, sort of analogy is looking at Roger Federer and Nick Kyrgios Um, and, you know, they've played plenty of games of tennis. Roger Federer stands at one end of the court. We all know him and he's supremely calm. He's always in control, very rarely sweating. Um, And down the other end of the field on this, I'm sorry, on the tennis court on the same day, same weather conditions, is Nick Kyrgios who is yelling and screaming, sweating profusely, very unpredictable, very uncontrolled and very much unregulated in his breathing. And if you, you know, you can Google their, their visuals Um, you can actually watch a game, it's so obvious, yeah. Another great pairing I like to say is Barack Obama and Donald Trump and exactly the same again. So Barack Obama is so composed and regulated and uh, that's who we want to be like rather than Donald Trump, who is a bad mouth breather and is very unpredictable and sort of chaotic, you you might sort of say,
0: yeah. So, Jane, you talk about how the carbon-oxygen balance and getting that right is really important on so many levels for mental clarity and mental well-being um, and all of those physical conditions. But you mentioned that sort of it impacts our nervous system. Can you just help us understand the link between the balance of carbon and oxygen in our blood and how that impacts our nervous system and, I guess, a correction in that can see things improve?
1: Well, it, it comes back to that simple sort of um transition of your of your body into that fight and flight response. So that's, you know, back in caveman times, we everyone was had a nice broad jaw, um, very straight teeth, no no crooked teeth back then. And uh everyone breathed through their nose. And then when there became some alarming incident that uh sort of stimulated your nervous system and you into that fight or flight mode, that's when your breathing did transition over into a, a high needs mouth breathing sort of requirement. Um, and but we now live there. We because that's how our bodies are processing all this air, we participately live in the fight and flight state, which is a wound-up nervous system response. The carbon dioxide is what brings that nervous system down. And so it calms and regulates your autonomic nervous system. And so as soon as you start keeping that inside rather than letting it go all the time, then um, that's what actually brings that calm and uh, clarity and, and sort of peace to your body. Yeah.
0: So this can actually change jaw structure, um, you know, your teeth shape for kids, other things. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's amazing, isn't Yeah. Um, and also if I'm short, sharp, grumpy... Um, you know all of those things this can also change not my personality but my physiology and can see me arrive to life and my leadership role in farm and family playing from a very different place absolutely yeah because your body is under stress
1: the entire time yeah and so it's an overwhelming sort of state to be in and it, it brings all sorts of health health consequences yeah
0: Jane, I interviewed Ginny Stevens from Active Farmers and we talked about the importance of fitness on our mental wellbeing. Um, We also talked about where diet um, fits in. Mm -hmm. What impact does um, poor choices in diet, so alcohol, coffee and other things like that, have on our breathing and how can they contribute to us not being at our best in this?
1: So there are some foods that have an immediate impact increase on your respiratory rate and so you' are um, your usual inflammatory sort of foods that a lot of people will identify and they you your sugar, uh, gluten, caffeine, alcohol and while I always include food as a really important part of my program and particularly with teenagers, I sort of feel the work I do with teenagers is really about setting them up for life and For them to understand that I'm not preaching about you don't ever eat sugar or don't ever have a Coke, but if you're going off to do your mass exam, what you eat for breakfast in the morning will impact how you breathe for the rest of that morning so that if you want to do well in that mass exam, let's choose some food that um, helps to keep your breathing nice and low. It's the same thing for you. If you've got a really, if you're presenting at the deep dive, what you eat in the morning will have a huge impact on your breathing through the day, and so what you eat the night before will as well. So it's not something that I sort of get on my high horse about, but it's a really important part of the big picture, yeah.
0: Janie, um, what is it that makes you so passionate about this?
1: Um. Well... I just feel so passionate that um, this is so simple and it's so powerful and it's life-changing. So, I mean, it changed my life, there's no question. Um, And as a result of sort of looking further into it, I could really see in our family we had four children and we were the perfect little case study. We had two children who actually did breathe really well and two who breathed really poorly. And once I understood that that was actually the root cause of what was going on. I just felt so sick that so many children can easily resolve many of the difficulties that present through childhood with some really simple stuff. And um, then unfolding this with adults, it gives just such a huge quality of life back to people. Um, And I suppose that's what I was always in the business of trying to do is trying to help people restore their health and um, restore, live their best life. And I honestly um, feel that the work I do does help people to live their best life. Yeah, yeah.
0: Perfect. (laughs) Well, it's been great having you on, Profitable Farmer. Thank you. Well done on what you're doing. I I see it have a massive impact on um, kids, grandparents, mums and dads, and every demographic, you just get so much good feedback about how something as simple as retraining around our breathing can just have such a profound impact, impact in so many areas.
1: It really is very rewarding. And, you know, it's the, my business is actually mostly driven by referral. And it's always the people that come to me through um, someone who's had a successful um, result from the course that really passionately wants. To, to spread this a little bit further, so that's the real power in it, and the really good feedback that that I love. Hmm.
0: Thanks for your time, Bab. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> so we've done really important podcasts on the importance of fitness and physical well being um, in in how that impacts our mental well being and our ability to lead. We've had um, podcasts with Tracy Seacombe around her tips on how to live well and manage the stresses and pressures of life, Um, I wanted to have Jane come on board and just connect with us on this breathing retraining because, you know, we should all get six hours uninterrupted sleep as the baseline. And I know that so many of us with the pressures and the stresses of farming um, don't get that. And in addition, I know there's plenty of people out there with anxiety, with links to depression, um, not sleeping, um, even snoring, asthma, hay fever. Who would have thought that all those things could be corrected just by learning to breathe better? So, yeah, it's an absolute credit to Jane. Um, it's amazing to sit and watch the impact she's having on kids, on middle aged mums and dads, um, and on grandparents. It's just, fantastic and so if any of that is relevant for you jump on her website enjoy her, her her short course and um i hope in some small way this might set a few of you up to um yeah to live a more energized and a clearer and a more um fulfilling and enriching life thanks and bye for now Thanks for listening to another episode of the Profitable Farmer podcast by Farm Owners Academy. If you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a long-time listener, let your friends know about us or come continue the conversation in the Profitable Farmer Facebook group. All the best as you grow your business and create your freedom farm. Until next time, keep being incredible.